Lord, we're here. As we open our hearts to your word today, we say, come and move. Come and be. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're in the final part of our series, Seeking Justice, and hasn't it been amazing? I know for many of us, it's been challenging. We've definitely been poked and prodded about what it looks like to be people of justice here at Zio Church. It certainly stirred us into action. And as we conclude this series, I want to ask you a question. And this question is also the title of my talk today. This is the question. Are you overcome or are you overcoming? Are you overcome or are you overcoming? Well, to help explore where I'm going with that title, we need to turn to Romans 12. So if you've got a Bible or a device, we're going to be turning to Romans 12, and we're going to be starting at verse 9. And in many of your Bibles, it might be titled Love in Action, which gives us a real bit of a nudge and a real bit of a prompt as to where we're going to today. So Romans 12, verse 9 to 21, if you're with me, says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, Do not, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this last verse is really the hinge on what everything boils down to today. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. You know, we all love a good story, don't we, of overcoming evil with good. Whether it's the Disney Lion King classic of Simba overcoming his fear and facing his core to defeat Scar. Maybe it's every Harry Potter film of him choosing to overcome pain and rejection and grief and the ongoing narrative of light over darkness. Maybe it's the Empire Strike Backs for you Star Wars fans and the clues in the title about how they overcome. Maybe it's the Lord of the Rings and the classic scene where Gandalf appears at just the right moment. Maybe it's a classic ending scheme for those of you that are Marvel fans like me, which still sends like kind of chills up my spine where everyone comes together to defeat Thanos. Maybe it's when Elsa in, Fro in Frozen finally lets it go and doesn't hold it back anymore. 
Or maybe it's Black Panther when he bravely returns when there's a civil war that's an outbreak, but actually he comes back. Maybe it's Moana when she faces that giant, huge, crazy monster and says, you know, you know who you are. Or maybe it's Spider-Man when that classic scene happens where all the Spider-Mans come together to say, we are going to win. We love the stories, don't we? We love the stories of good triumphing over email. We see the great and the good impact of what that looks like. But it's much harder to do in real life, especially when it's us on the other side of injustice. Seeking justice and going about it the right way it is hard, isn't it? Especially if it's us that has been hurt especially if it's us that's been discriminated, especially if it's been us that have been affected. But let's observe today this powerful text, which gives us several amazing practical examples about how we can be people of love in action. And the text, it appears to give us these two choices, doesn't it? And it asks us to choose the better one. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When it comes to seeking justice, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to go about it. And the truth is, we cannot leave evil alone. And evil, it won't leave us alone. So if we can't leave evil alone and evil won't leave us alone, then what is our choice as God's people? Well, our choice is we must overcome it. You know, this week, for many of us, would have seen the raw and the painful example of someone who chose the wrong way to seek justice. Will Smith and everything that happened at the Oscars. And without getting into all of the ins and outs of what happened there, the bottom line is, is that he was in the wrong to react the way that he did. He was overcome rather than overcoming. And we, friends, often face that same risk. Isn't it so easy to be overcome rather than overcoming? Many of us here today, we've got our own stories about what it looks like to be overcome with wrong motives and self-seeking intentions. But what would it look like if we could learn and if we could harness the truth of this scripture that says, we make a choice to overcome evil with good. And this powerful choice of scripture that finishes our series, Seeking Justice, requires us to look into the mirror and requires us to ask Jesus, start with me first. Like David says in the book of Psalms, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way that is everlasting. So as we look into the mirror of our lives, and as we learn how to seek justice the right way, we need to give God full lordship and full leadership of our lives, of our minds, and of our hearts. Because if we really want to see injustice as broken down, if we really want to see equality and equity for all, then our own lives, our own experiences, our own injustices need to be inspected and open to God's leading, open to God's healing and open to God's freedom. Imagine, folks, if we could really do business with this scripture, the business of forgiving, the business of loving with sincerity, the business of living in harmony, the business of being at peace with each other. Imagine the impact that it could have on us. Imagine the impact that it could have on God's world around us. 
You know, Thomas A. Kempis says this beautiful quote. He says that whoever loves much does much. Whoever loves much does much. There's a story that's told by Dr. J.B. Gambrell, and it talks about an amusing story where from the General Stonewall's Jackson's famous valley campaign, the Jackson's army found themselves at one side of the river when actually they needed to be at the other side. So after telling his engineers about they needed to make a plan to build a bridge so that the army could cross, he calls his wagon master and he explains to his wagon master that it was urgent that the whole of the wagon train and all of the artillery cross to the other side as soon as possible. So the wagon master starts gathering all of the logs, starts gathering all of the stones and all of the rocks and all of the fence rails, etc., to find a way to build the bridge. Well, long before daylight starts to appear, General Jackson was told by that wagon master, all the wagons, all the artillery, and all the people have crossed the river. So General Jackson asks, well, where are the engineers? And what have they been doing? And the wagon master's only reply was, well, they're still in the tent. They're still drawing up the plans to build the bridge. You know, friends, there are bridges to be built. There are bridges of forgiveness. There are bridges of grace. There are bridges of welcome and connection that need to be made everywhere. And if all we do is draw up a plan, if all we do is leave it in the diagram process, then that is not love in action. Because seeking justice involves really getting in there. It involves doing the hard work of loving and forgiving and extending grace, even when it feels hard. It's about extending the bridge of forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's about our lives being open to make a choice to build bridges of reconciliation and hope and not barriers of hurt and disconnection. Let's remember, friends, as God's people, we can't do everything, but we can do something. We can't help everyone, but we can help someone. And let's keep asking the Holy Spirit to show us how and where we can make a difference, often recognizing that it starts closer to home than we think, and it starts closer to home than often we want it to be. You know, there are so many incredible, powerful examples all the way through the Bible of love and action, pages and pages of women and men who boldly decided to love rather than hate. But for me, one of the standout examples is the repeated overcoming of David and his behavior to Saul. What a story of not being overcome by evil, but overcoming evil with good. And you know, in David's life, he experiences Saul's rejection. He experiences Saul's abuse. He experiences Saul's repeated injustices and plots to kill and destroy him. And how does he reply back? He replies back with consistent love. You know, God describes David as a man after my own heart. And that doesn't mean that he was blameless. We know his faults. We know his failures. We know his flaws. But we know that the foundation of his heart was to be someone that was connected to God's. And as a result, this meant that when injustice happened in David's life, his first response was love, not war, was peace, not pain, was humility over pride. And throughout his life, spears were quite literally thrown repeatedly at him by Saul. And when he was given countless opportunities to respond with revenge, he never bowed to seeking justice the wrong way. And he always surrendered to loving Saul the right way. 
You know, 1 Samuel 24 talks about the famous recording when Saul went into a cave to go and take a leak, <laughs> to go and take a, um, a wee. But instead, David, who had that moment to seek revenge, you know, who had that moment to actually say he could avenge Saul, he cut off a corner of his role to be able to show, I could have taken revenge, and I could have, but I didn't. And the second opportunity of revenge is found in 1 Samuel 26, when David, while Saul and his whole army were sleeping, took a spear, took the jug of water that was just near Saul's head, and exclaimed, I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Again, he could have, but he didn't. One of my favorite books is a book called Everybody Always by Bob Goff. I encourage you to grab a copy of this if you've not heard of him or not read this book before. But the clue is in the title about what it looks like to be a people that love everybody always. And he talks about the idea and he talks about the principle of loving people. And he encourages us that the true way to love as Christians is to be people that build kingdoms, not castles. To be people that build kingdoms, not castles. And this was the main difference between Saul and David. You see, castles are designed to keep people out. They suggest status and power and rank and position. But kingdoms welcome everybody in and say that there is a place at the table for all. Saul's self-seeking desire led to jealousy and hatred and wrong motives. But David's selfless love led to forgiveness and humility and building a kingdom, not a castle. I wonder, folks, if that resonates with us today. Are we building castles or are we building kingdoms? Are we building walls and fortresses that keep people out because of maybe what they've said or they've done? Or are we building kingdoms that actually say everyone is welcome and there's a place for all? Are we building castles and kingdoms in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces? Let me just read out to you a part of this book that speaks and challenges that. God wants me to love the ones I don't understand, to get to know their names, to invite them to do things with me, to go and find the ones everyone shunned and turned away, to see them as my neighbors, even if we are totally in different places. You'll be able to spot people who are becoming love because they want to build kingdoms, not castles. They fill their lives with people who don't look like them, don't act like them, don't even believe the same things as them. And they treat them with love and respect. And they're more eager to learn from them than presume that they have something to teach. Loving each other is what we're meant to do. And it's how we're meant to roll. It's not where we start when we begin following Jesus, but it's a beautiful path that we travel the rest of our lives. Will it be messy and ambiguous? Will it be uncomfortable when we love people the way that Jesus loved them? You bet it will. Will we be misunderstood? Constantly. But extravagant love means coloring outside of the lines and going beyond the norms. Loving the neighbors we don't understand takes work, takes humility and patience and guts. It means leaving the security of an easy relationship to engage in some tremendously awkward ones. Finding a way to love difficult people more. 
you will then be living the life that Jesus talked about. Go find someone you've been avoiding and give away extravagant love to them. You'll learn more about God, more about your neighbor, more about your enemies, and more about your faith. Find someone you think is wrong, someone you disagree with, someone who isn't like you at all, and decide to love that person the way you want Jesus to love you. We need to love everybody always. Jesus never said doing these things would be easy. He just said it would work. So I'd encourage you to grab that book. Yeah. At the end of the day, folks, it all boils down to this. The truth is, we make loving people a lot more complicated than Jesus did. We really do. So how do we overcome rather than be overcome? Well, as we think about the words that are found in John 10.10, we see two agendas for our lives. We see that Satan's agenda is to kill and to steal and to destroy. And then we see that Jesus' agenda is life and life in its fullnesses, both now and for eternity. He calls us into that freedom. You see, Satan's agenda is about darkness, but Jesus is about light. Satan's agenda is about death, but Jesus is about life. And Satan's agenda is about being imprisoned, but Jesus is about freedom. The enemy's hope is to overcome you, to derail you, to stop you from responding well. But God is encouraging you, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And to overcome evil with good, there are things we need to be free from. You know, let's put it like this. Over the years, supermarkets and shops have rightly provided an increased provision and aisles of free-from products. Why? Well, you know, because certain ingredients like gluten, etc., harm and do some folks no good. And as a result of that, they need to find ways to cut those ingredients out of their life so that they can eat safely. Now, this is an example of something in the natural but folks, what I really believe that God is saying today, that this is something in the spiritual too. Because there are certain ingredients, there are certain symptoms, there are certain behaviors in our life that do us harm and do us no good. And so as we make a decision to partner and invite Jesus into our lives, he offers us a free from life. Free from anger, free from fear. Free from hate, free from pride, free from wanting revenge, free to forgive. Liberty of sin, from mistakes past or present, free from comparison, loneliness, rejection, abuse. The list goes on and on of what Jesus wants you to be free from. Why? Because he came to give you life and life in its fullness. And so as we look into the mirror of our life today, can we truly say that we are living free? Can we truly say that we have overcome evil and as a result, we're overcoming with good? Folks, we're all a work in progress and there are habits and there are mindsets and there are traumas and behaviors that do us no good. Let's be free from the pretense of thinking that we should love and then actually be fully released to love. Let's be free from hate and seeking justice our own way and go God's way. I wonder what you need to be free from today. Because we all have areas in our lives that need Jesus' freedom. What are they for you? 
Because whatever infirmity, whether it's areas of physical or emotional or financial or relationally or vocationally, Jesus wants you to be free. And Jesus declares, through him, you are free. As we look at this scripture, as we see the countless practical examples of all God calls us to do, we could dine out on that all day. The do's of this passage and the don'ts of this passage. But ultimately, none of them can be achieved unless we fully say, Lord, help me to be free from anger. Lord, help me to be free from revenge. Lord, help me to be free from wanting to tackle injustices the wrong way. You know, as we pause and as we consider what we need to be free from, let's remember the one who frees us. Who frees us? Jesus. The one who overcame rather than being overcome. The one who defeated death and rose again in victory so that you and I could receive relationship and life. The one who reminds us that he has overcome so that we can overcome. Scripture is our story. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and you have overcome because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Folks, if we really believe this scripture, then we can see how to practically be that love in action, how to truly be people that seek justice in the right way. We have overcome because Jesus has overcome. He is greater. And as a result, we can be greater. We can be greater than the most serious offense that has happened to us. And from that place of truth, if we can just grasp what Jesus did and does for us, then the overflow of that makes Romans 12 all that more easier. As I invite the band to come back up and join me, we're going to prepare our hearts and we're going to get ready to start to take communion. 1 John 4, 4, let me read it again, says, You, dear children, are from God, and you've overcome, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. John 1, verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Who is that light? That light is Jesus. As we close this Seeking Justice series, and as we prepare to take communion today, let's for a moment take a deeper look at our own lives. Let's partner with Jesus today to ask for his true healing, to ask for his true freedom, to ask for his breakthrough. John 16 verse 33 says, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Today, we can overcome because of Jesus. Today, we can overcome by building bridges. Building bridges of forgiveness, not walls that divide. Today, God is asking us and inviting us to partner with him to build kingdoms, not castles. 
to overcome our bias, to overcome our prejudice, to overcome our own hurt, our own pain, our own trauma, and choose to be love, love in action. Today, God is inviting us to overcome in our reactions and to be people that respond and respond well. Folks, if we've even got a shot of being a church that carries the mandate of being justice, it has to start with us. It has to start with us. We need to be brave enough to say, God, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. And as this scripture encourages today, it says, cling, cling to what is good. So right now, as we prepare our hearts to take communion, this meal that reminds us of what you did for us, Jesus, this bread that symbolizes your body that was broken for us, and this juice that symbolizes your blood that was shed so that we could be loved, so that we could experience the fullness of life that you want for us. We start to prepare to take it with gratitude, but we also start to prepare to take it with a responsibility because this meal means we're making a choice to look more like you, love more like you, and lead more like you, Lord. Otherwise, it means nothing. Lord, we want to be your people that seek justice in the right way. We want to be your people that build bridges, Lord, not barriers. We want to be your people that build kingdoms, not castles. And for all that to happen, there are things that we need to be free from. As we take this meal, free us, Lord, from sin. Free us from our deepest hurt. Free us from ingredients and symptoms and pain that have happened in our lives so that we could fully surrender it to you to be the people that love the world that you so desperately love. At the edge of us being people of justice, our own stories that we want to surrender to you today. Holy Spirit, we know you're here. We know you want to do your business today. So I ask, Holy Spirit, you download into each heart, into each mind right now, what are their areas they need to be free from? let me just explain to you what's going to happen next. This is our first time we're doing communion together in the town hall. And we know that usually as we gather around the Lord's table, we have a wonderful moment of taking the bread and taking the juice and drinking it all together. But we want to provide an opportunity to make communion as safe as possible for every single one of us as we're still fighting this COVID season. So if you want to take communion today, there are four stations around the room that you can do that. And when I invite us to come up, 
you'll be directed by the team just to carefully grab a little piece of bread if you can, trying not to touch the rest. Grab your juice and drink at the station and eat at the station. And once you've done that, just place your little juice canister in the recycling bin that's next to you. And then we just ask that you return back to your seats. And folks, for you guys up there, there's a station up there that Keith's got as well. But we also want to use this as a prayer moment as well. If there are things that have been said today, if you felt nudged, if you felt propelled in some of the stuff that God's been prompting in the word today, once you've come up for communion, wherever you are, we'd like to encourage you just to come to the front. And some of our prayer team would love the opportunity to pray for you. So as we prepare to take for communion, I wonder if I could just ask you to stand. Because we're also going to start to sing this song, Lord, I need you. And isn't that the cry of our heart today? We need the Lord, don't we? We need him in everything that has been spoke and said about today. And as I return back to the title of the word today, are you overcome or are you overcoming? Let's make a choice today to be God's church that says, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to overcome with a choice to forgive. I'm going to overcome with a choice to love. I'm going to overcome rather than being overcome. Why? Because Jesus has overcome. Jesus, we need you. And Jesus, as we take this meal now, we remember you with thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing, and I invite you to come and take communion. <laughs> 